Guys, ZDogMD, Dr. Angelo DeLulo, anesthesiologist and awakening dude. Uh, <laughs> so Angelo and I have done a series now uh, about awakening, spiritual awakening, finding your true nature, identity, unfiltered reality. There's a series of link to it all here. What I wanna talk about now though is something that may trigger some people. We're gonna talk about, because <laughs> we're gonna go deep on it, what so awakening is just the first sort of movement it's a mm -hmm. profound movement but the first movement in an unfolding that continues mm -hmm. we're going to talk now about the continuing of that unfolding mm -hmm. we talked before about you 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 awaken you you realize the identity is not this me um it's kind of unbound consciousness and then there's that feeling of emotion and trying to integrate emotion afterwards and shadow work and the sort of stuff that's been repressed forever now comes to the surface and working to integrate that. There's even more than that in mm -hmm. the unfolding and it gets kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. And also a little bit like, oh, that's the nature of reality? Oh, so over to you, doc, because mm -hmm. uh, this is where I just sit like this and go, uh-huh, <laughs> tell me more. So, um... So th this actually is one of the major areas of interest I, I had in, in writing the book, but I got to 130,000 words and I was like, I didn't quite get to that part. Yeah, I, I did. I touched into it many times with the approaches and techniques that are that are useful after awakening. Um, and I and in the stages of awakening chapter, I I definitely show I point to it with analogies, the, the pond analogy and that sort of thing. So these are these are the shifts that occur later on. But that's a very. Um, uh, metaphorical way of talking about it, but it, it also can give you the experience of it for sure, aspects of it. Uh, but I didn't actually include, and this this is the next book I'm going to write, I didn't actually include like, here's the exact fixation, here's how to address it, mm. and here's the next one, and here's how to address it, and then here's the next one. Because there's a handful of things that um, need to be addressed if this process is to continue itself to Completion is at least as far as the individual is concerned. Mm. It's never complete. This process is never complete, but there is a certain very distinct finality when it comes to the experience of being an individual apart from a world, navigating that world, struggling with that world. That that actually can come to an end, and it does. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. Now, again, you mentioned awakening is this very transformative, very powerful uh, it will be the biggest thing that's ever happened to you in your life to go through it as an amazing, tremendous release of, of suffering and emotion and these sorts of things. And the other side of it is deeply, deeply peaceful in a way that you kind of forgot was even possible since maybe very early childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that, that's kind of the honeymoon period. And you, as I've said before, you sort of feel enlightened, you know, or you, you just, you're not going to think about yourself as enlightened, but the experience is, it is kind of like when I talk to somebody who has just gone through the, the awakening, they just feel enlightened to me. Like that's how I, when I interact with them, I can interact in a very, very direct way, which is lovely. And um, it's just so fluid. And yet I can still see their conditioning is there and it's mm. starting to creep back in here and there. Mm. And I try to point it out, but I know that at some point they're going to have to really just dive into it anyway. But the conditioning is, is basically a mass of resistance patterns. And a lot of it has to do with repressed emotions and it has to do with distorting beliefs. We've talked, we've touched on some of this stuff as well in the previous program. So I'm going to go beyond that and now and talk about, okay, well, what the heck happens after that, right? So I, I can't give you statistics on this, um, but I can tell you of the people who go through awakening, 
which this is happening more and more and more. Some people have gone through spontaneous awakening. Some people have intentionally moved through this process. But of the people who've, who've gone through awakening, um, I think uh, probably a good number of people kind of get sort of lost in this this sort of spiritual no person's land after for a while. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to write the book because it can be a really confusing time because it's kind of like once you taste unfiltered reality, you kind of see that everything is unfiltered reality and yet the conditioning can still be there. And sometimes it's worse for a while or it's more intense or the emotions are more intense or your your bad habits are more intense and they're just in your face and you can't ignore them. But you're like, do I, what do I, do I ignore them? Do I just continue to be kind of a jerk? And that's just how life is because everything's unfiltered reality anyway. Or do I, is there a way to actually investigate it more closely? Or is there something else I need to look at that I'm totally missing that's still operating here? And some people sense that, that, that no, there's definitely something here that needs to continue to be addressed. Other people seem to not really sense it. And at some point they might catch on it. Once they really get tired of suffering, even after awakening, suffering is less, I would say it's, it's different kind of suffering, but, it, but it, you, you, if you're, if your discernment and authenticity are intact, you, you, you'll still realize, no, there's still some suffering here. There's still something going on. There's still resistance. And I don't something, I'm still struggling somehow, even though it's kind of episodic and I don't really know why or how. So if you're able to sort of pick that up then, and you find good pointers, you find good teachers, really, people who can really point beyond that, um, then then you can proceed through these other sort of fixation uh, stages and untie these deeper dualistic knots. Mm. So mm. Um, I always like to say when I talk about this type of subject um, that it doesn't happen the same way for everyone. It doesn't happen in the same order for everyone. Um, and they may not even interpret the nature of these shifts in the same way. Some people will talk about these things very differently, but there are my opinion and my experience and the opinion of other people I know who know this material pretty well, that they would say there's pretty consistent and predictable fixations that are still occurring often after awakening um, that can be so subtle you can totally overlook them. But if you address them, the experiential insight will deepen very, very profoundly. Mm. Okay. Um, and so... What are these fixations? And you could also say, even though this is probably a little uh, less accurate way of saying it, that each one of these fixations that gets addressed results in like, you could almost say like another stage of, of realization. Mm. But even though I have a chapter called stages, um, I'm always a little cautious with that term because it almost sounds like you're building something, mm. but it's not like that. It's a subtractive process. Mm. Um, but with within these fixations are untied, there's a very clear obvious shift into a, a more fundamentally, obviously true and real reality. Um, and they have different qualities to them that these types of movements and shifts. Okay. Does that make sense? It, 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 it makes as much sense okay. as it can. Okay. So the other disclaimer I want to kind of put out there with this is we've been talking about something that's hard to talk about for the last two days, which is awakening and realization and awareness and all that, right? It's paradoxical. The language doesn't quite work, but it's all an intuitive thing. You either get it or you don't, or maybe you get it later, but it's really intuitive. It's not about the language or the words. It's not a shift in paradigm. It's not a way of thinking. It's totally non-conceptual. It's beyond concept. So we've already been 
working with that struggling type language kind of thing. And it, it, this is the nature of talking about this stuff. I'm talking about that, which cannot be talked about ever, right? Mm. Now, when we're talking about later stage realization, it's even worse because it's more subtle. It's I'm talking about things that are so subtle that to try to apprehend these conceptually is a complete waste of time. You can make a mental model of them and you probably will, you might even hinder yourself because it, it's just, they're so subtle and they're nothing to do with concept. They're to do with more like what we were talking about in the last video you and I shot about the, the attention where we were investigating the direct nature of the sense world. It's very subtle stuff, but if the pointing um, and your your technique and your approach is gentle enough, you start to really discern, oh yeah, it's subtle, but it's also quite profound that a minute ago that was a glass over there and now I'm kind of feeling it like everywhere. What is that about, right? It's that kind of subtlety. So language really fails here and the farther this realization goes, the more it fails. Mm. <laughs> but there are still pointers that work. There are, there are inquiries that work for this stuff, okay? Um, and there, <laughs> there are two aspects to what allows you to uh, to address these dualistic knots or these fixations, these these deep, very deep-seated, fundamental to our processing perceptual filters. There, there's You could say there's two approaches, but at this subtle level, they become the same approach. Mm. And this is, again, we're talking paradoxically, but it, it feels like this. And perhaps in Buddhism, you could say this is the middle way, or mm. at least one iteration of what that could mean. Um, and that is, there, there's this aspect of surrender that has to be there, like surrender, like the kind of surrender where you can't even do it. You need to be surrendered. <laughs> it, it's that life is surrendering you to the natural process of, you know, disintegration into the radical integration of reality or how no way to talk about this. But so there's this surrendering aspect that's very critical here. And if you if you tend too much on the other side, You'll, and you miss that that aspect, this will this can be challenging because you'll introduce too much struggle. The other side is intention. Okay. Surrender is a acquiescent movement. It's a it's a okay, it, whatever this is, I'm not really sure what it is. It's unknowable, but I can feel it coming forth, carrying me forward, carrying this realization forward and deeper into itself. And I'm I'm just willing to trust it the best I know how in the moment. And, and I can feel into it. I can intuit what it is. And I'm, a, I'm allowing myself to align with it. It's that kind of surrendering, yeah? Mm. And sometimes it's a surrender of, I have no choice and this is just going. And life is forcing me to experience certain things to untie things in myself that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. You start to really have this reverence for life itself, mm. for, for the genius of this, the, this presence itself. Mm. It, it seems to have this intelligence. Mm. So that's the surrender aspect. But the other aspect is intention. And intention just means your own intention to um, inhabit truth beyond what you think it is right here. Always being willing to just see a little deeper into truth, uh -huh. into living truth. It's, it's, a, it's a little more maybe incisive. It's the willingness to, to actually do some inquiry if you have to. Yeah, and so there's a there's a balance between those two, that surrender and intention that really comes into play here, and it's an aliveness. There's an aliveness in your practice, your practiceless practice. Mm. Um, and with that as the guiding uh, movement, you can start to uh, address these fixations. Mm. So what are they? So um, 
One of them has to do with the, 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 what we experience as the physical world of time and space, specifically space. And that is the sense that the world is dualistic, not even in a thinking way, not in a, not in a conscious thought-based way, but an actual physical experience of that's over here and I'm over here. So when that dualistic knot is untied, you can't, you can't even experience that anymore. You can't experience that distance anymore. There can be a thought about it, but there's no identity in that. Mm. The, 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 the non-distanced or center everywhere or here and there at the same time experience is very clearly seen to be just the way it is, and there's no way it could be other. Mm. Yeah. And, so and- it's like sound sounding, um, sense sensing, even thought thinking. It's just a um, phenomenon coming into being and disappearing into nothingness. With no location. Yeah, locationality is seen at this point to have always been a thought. A thought. Mm-hmm. So location is that overlay we talked about in our attention piece yeah. of like, here's distance and mm-hmm. here's the sensation. Right, so with any sensation or any experience you're having right now, if you recognize there's no such thing as anywhere else, because the presence has become so clear, right? There's just that sensation, literally, or just that visual experience. When that becomes very, very clear, it's also very clear there's nowhere else. And when there's nowhere else, there's also no here. And <laughs> so there's no differentiation between here and everywhere else. Mm. So space, spacing, the activity of creating seeming space in your perceptual experience is gone. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's it's a trip. Like, it's really wild. And but it's also just the way it is, and you actually get used to it. And you can you can fun- actually bump into things sometimes. <laughs> really, I was going to say, can you function like you, you yeah. definitely can yeah. for sure. Yeah. But but when you first start to experience it, or if it comes on very strong, very quickly for some people, they they literally like have to be careful how they move around and drive and stuff at first until you get used to it because it is very different. Wow. Now again, the mind can still perceive the world in that visual way of you're over there and I'm over here. By creating the But thought. instinctually, mm. it's not real. You, you mm. don't actually experience that as real. So the, the the world of thought becomes very, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say detached. It just, it just, you, all of the referencing of the world of thought for what's real goes away. Ah, so thought can exist, but it doesn't become the basis of reference for reality. It doesn't say anything about anything but itself. Wow. Again, thoughts reflecting thoughts reflecting thoughts. There's nothing to it, though. No substance. Yeah. So that's one of the disentanglements, we could say. And that really, it's a, it's very much a perceptual thing. It it, it makes the world look different, mm. you could say. Feel mm. different, sound different. Um, the, then, it, But it's it's almost impersonal. It's a, it's a sort of an impersonal type of thing because it's just like, oh, I was looking through the senses one way and all of a sudden I'm looking through the senses in a very, very different way. Mm. But you're not looking through the senses. The senses just are very clearly not like it seemed before, the sense world. And then it's like, well, is it even a sense? Because who's sensing it? There's no one sensing it. The sensing is in the sense. So it, it becomes completely impossible to talk about, but it's intimate, very obvious, Um. It's it's really wonderful in a in a certain natural way. It's just it's like yeah, it's just that's just how it is, you know. And, um, and sorry, so to get to that subtractive state, mm-hmm. subtracting that filter of mm-hmm. distance, you are inhabiting this 
combination simultaneously of surrender and intentionality that you talked about earlier that's necessary that's for just this. that's just where where I, I would orient somebody yeah to start to work through these things yeah. because if you're too hands-on like i'm gonna force this perception to be like this other perception or mm. remove this filter in some conceptual way you're thinking about you're doing something you're, you might be a little too you might be actually putting a little too effort into too much effort into it mm. um and if you if you move if you're too much towards the surrender side mm. you can kind of be like oh well everything is just the way it is and there's nothing to change or move or fix or whatever and mm-hmm. it'll just kind of do what it needs to do but then you can kind of sort of ignore things sometimes so mm. there's this magic um place between those two ways of m- approaching realization or your your own practice or process mm-hmm. so that's just and that's that's not something you even have to really worry about it was, i was just putting it out there like this is this is helpful right right, right some right. some of this can just happen completely spontaneously spontaneously yeah yeah, yeah. totally but yeah. you're saying it by by having those sort of yeah. f- conditions it it's more likely to yeah I, well i think that th- that addresses the the intense fixation one direction or the other mm-hmm. again one of them that's like way too hands on too intellectual too mm-hmm. like i know how this is going to go i'm going to make it go that way because i'm picturing the way it should go mm-hmm. and comparing my experience to how you know mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of keep keep putting mind in the way almost on the other side it's again it's like this it's almost like a bit of a laziness, like, oh, mm-hmm. just, it's every, it's good enough, and, you know, there's, it's very clear, things are very clear, and I don't have to think about anything, I'm just, you know, it's just life, I'm just going to go with life how it is, and it's great, and, you know, there's nothing more to do, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to address, you know, there's no one to address it, you can get into this weird place with that. So if you kind of find this place between the two, you realize, okay, if I'm deeply honest with myself, there's more to address, there's mm-hmm. more that could be addressed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the the intention or truth side, and and another part of you just knows, and I, and there's not a damn thing I can do to address that. Mm. I have to trust life to to really show me how this works. Mm. Yeah, and mm. you just find this place of oh yeah, it's like surrendering, surrendering itself almost as the practice, <laughs> the practice practicing itself. Yeah. Anyway, so that can be applied to any of these sort of fixations that that we're talking about. Mm. So one of them is that subject object experience that we're creating with the mind all the time we're not creating it it's not even there but the illusion of it is perpetuated by the way thoughts reflect one another right so again again prime prime mover is thought Mm -hmm. thought it's the relationship with thought the relationship with thought's not a bad guy right as i think i said one of these shows like yeah you don't want to push it away you don't want to make it the bad guy you don't you don't want to sit down and meditate and picture yourself with a sword cutting thoughts and slashing them and some people actually have said that to me, like, oh, yeah, I pictured it. Like, I'm hitting the thoughts and pushing them out of the way. And, like, it's not like that. It's more like investigate the nature of your relationship with thought. Yeah. And at some point, identity falls out of thought. And then it actually seems like it's identities in being. But as we move through the this, what we're talking about, mm-hmm. identity itself as a construct completely goes away. Oh, that is wild. So not yeah. it's not like identity is unbound being or unbound consciousness. There's just no, there's just no identity. <laughs> so Because identity also suggest separation. Right. Because if, if there's identity, then my identity can't be your identity, or what's the point in talking right. about identity? Is that, can I ask a question? So is that why they call it non-dual instead of everything is one? Mm-hmm. Is it because even everything is one implies a an identity mm-hmm. as one? Yeah, like a singularity. A singularity. It's not, I don't really think it, that neither of these terms are exact. So there's right. no term to talk about what we're talking about. Got it. But you can sense into it and you can wake up to it. And mm. you can also taste it through those exercises we talked about with the attention, right? Attention, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's no exact way to talk about it. Mm. But to me, and other people may have a different 
experience of this for sure. But to me, to call it a singularity, it's almost sends a picture in your mind of like one thing or one place or one point. Mm. But there's no points, mm. which means there's every point, which means <laughs> there's no self or other or subject or object or that. That's why intimacy to me just ends up being the right word because right. even that's not perfect. But um, so yeah, it, it's not so much a singularity; it's just more of what it's not. Right. It's not a subject object experience. Right. Non-dual. Yeah. And when yeah. that goes away, you're like, oh, geez, it's amazing how fixating that was. And at the same time, it's amazing that I, I believed it for so long. Uh, how did I see this world in that way? Well, you, you kind of know the answer to that, because if you were there seeing the world in that way, then there was a perception of a self apart and a world over there. But but experientially, it's just it's just so obvious. Yeah. Which is odd. Yeah. And so that's a, a lot, lot of this stuff is like that. It's like, oh, of course it's like that. And this is where, this is the part of the progression where you really do start speaking in paradox because there's you have no, to. because reality is. Language is based on separation. Separation. Right? What is language for? It's like, you know, I don't know when, when they started developing language, but like cave person days where they're like, hey, I clubbed a, you know, <laughs> Tyrannosaurus over there, 60 meters from the tree. It's over there. You know, it's like language is designed to describe space and time to people, right? Yeah. It, it's just, it's, that's how language to is. To people, meaning not uh -huh. you. Yeah. yeah. Just the fact that I even said this in the, in the uh, thoughts chapter or somewhere in there, I said, even the fact that you're using language to talk to somebody already assumes, already assumes. I'm, I'm conveying information that's to right. you. That's right. Or I'm bonding with you through language or that's something. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Because even we, is not the correct term. Mm -mm. We, we we implies an us. <laughs> right. It gets very sticky to talk about. You're mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Even even in a conceptual way, you can't do it. Actually, this is I've never thought of it this way. Like the fact that paradox means if you're speaking in language, language is how you're going to convey something. That language will contain paradox because language cannot cannot simultaneously explain uh, actual reality when there's no. There's only this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it gets more paradoxical oh, to boy. the point where it's- Please keep going. Everything and nothing. And that's like, well, that makes zero sense to the mind. It I, sounds like blah, blah, blah. It sounds like blah, 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 blah. Like it makes no sense. Like an alien talking to and you. And yet, yeah. when you experience what it means that everything is no thing, it's the most obvious thing in the world. <laughs> it's not even special. It's just so simple. Hmm. So, um, so the paradoxical stuff, yeah. And language, it just- it just lends itself to, to thought. To, it lends itself to a thought structure, mm -hmm. and thought and language are very, very intimately tied, right? right. No. Dualistic structures. Mm -hmm. And and you know what's interesting is if you really, like that's that's just, what you're pointing at. That sounds so wild to the mind mm -hmm. is just how reality is right now mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. You just don't see it because of the fixative structures that you describe. That's right. That's why there's no unenlightened people. Because everybody all... is experiencing this right now, mm -hmm. only and they, now, and they're experiencing a, a a brain that's interpreting it as something different mm -hmm. than it is, mm -hmm. and that's just thought act. It's just thought activity. It doesn't even brain is a. That's thought. why, in a sense, it doesn't even matter that people are awake or asleep. It doesn't because yeah. the the reality is what it is. Yeah, and it, it's right there for you when you're ready to wake up. To actually. It. <laughs> Can we dig into that piece for a second? Because this is interesting. It doesn't really matter that people are awake or asleep, yet we talk about ending suffering in this lifetime as a desirable goal. Are those two statements incompatible? Well, the the thing about this that's nice is um, 
that I, in this type of uh, movement and what we're talking about, um, I find that people can really trust their intuition here. Mm. If you, if you hear that and you say, well, I'm not suffering, I have a great life and I love what I do. And that's what I'm, you know, so I don't, I don't even know why I would do any of this. And I, then I would say to them, that's exactly right. Mm. It's totally fine. I'm not mm. going to tell you you're suffering. If you're not, if you're not great, mm-hmm. you know? So as I said, one other time in this, this interview series, um, uh, I would say it like this. There, there are people who are waking up, but there's no one who's asleep. I don't see the world as like full of asleep people or anything like that. But when the awakening process starts happening, it's obvious to the person it's happening. <laughs> to the person, you, you can't yeah. ignore it, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I got to do this. I got to address this. It's terrifying, but I got to address it. It's mm. wild and exciting, but and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I'm going to do it, right? Mm. Has that has that flavor to it. Mm. So if you have that flavor well, then why not talk about this? I'm more than happy to talk about it if, if that's real for you. Mm. That's all this comes down to. It's There's no moral imperative at all for any of this, mm-hmm, for anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That bears repeating. I mean, we've said it in almost yeah. every episode. Yeah, but It's so, important because people pick this stuff up and they, they don't even, they maybe had an awakening, but they start to sense it. And then it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go tell all my friends, you need to wake up. I know what your problem is. You're not yeah, awake. You're asleep. Yeah, yeah. I'm not awake either yet, but I'm gonna be. In, I know what your problem is. I can help you. Here, read this book or whatever. That and it just happens. Like we just get these weird spiritual ego yeah. things and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And Zen you know, stink. Yeah. Zen stink. Some people go through it in a really intense way. Other people, are, it's a very mild version. But right. it's just and and it's sometimes it's well intentioned. We want to help people we care about. And if you feel suffering in them and you feel suffering in yourself. You're like, oh, you need this, and it's, but but often we're actually projecting, like we're saying, you need this. And it's like, no, I need this. Like, just you know, do the Confucius thing. Like, don't complain about your neighbor's roof with snow on it until you've claimed the snow off your own roof, own, right? Or and then by the time you really do that, you won't yeah. complain about your neighbor's roof anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at. Uh, are we at the last fixation? Where are we at? Oh no! Oh God! God there's, come on! There's wow! More. Keep going! There's more. Tell me more. So. This part of things gets into one of the two or three potentially really triggering aspects of this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them we kind of touched on before, which is like that no agency or the the illusion of agency, at least in the way we think about it, mm-hmm. and and seeing through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't go and get rid of that and say, there's no such thing as agency, even though it seems like there is. That's not what happens. It, it suddenly falls away, and you're like, <laughs> whoa, I didn't... God, what that made me feel so much struggle all that time. And I was so certain I wanted it. I was defending it. And now it's such a relief to be without it. So that sense of agency, um, that's one thing. But the other one is no self. Dun, dun, dun. Experience of no self. That sounds terrible. Like you're going to disappear out of reality or something, right? But no self just simply means there's no self apart from anything else. There's no self suffering. There's no individual distinct threatenable self that comes into being and goes out of being again, everything gets so close, so intimate, so non-dual that you really start to see there's no thing that's an abiding separate self. It's just, it's something like there's just reality or just experience, just vivid, alive experience. Um, Mm. Yeah. And so again, that can be really triggering to some people because it sounds... Sometimes it's counterintuitive, like, well, I know there's a self. There's obviously a self. And if that's your experience, that's great. In fact, I might even tell you, just rest in that sense of what you are. <laughs> just rest right in. That's great. Yeah. Just rest there. You know, and that can actually lead people into awakening. Mm-hmm. But this paradoxical thing, again, happens after awakening where you can have a massive, very 
deeply held sense of I am that happens after awakening or through awakening, pure sense I am, pure being. And then all of a sudden it starts to thin itself out and you start to recognize, oh, even that was a thought, right? <laughs> like Nisar Gardata, the book you have on your table. Yeah. Somewhere he says, if you regress properly, the I am thought will disappear. And that's exactly what happens. It just disappears like a thought. You just go, oh, I don't need that. That was a thought. It was a belief. Is... Um, it was a belief. And then and then all of a sudden, things just look very, very different. It's not scary. It's not... Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. It's, it's, it's actually very, very freeing Mm. Um, so these later stages start to, they actually kind of culminate in, in this, in the experience of no self, um, mm. no self, I could say no self apart. It's less triggering and it's more true actually. More true. Yeah. But what does self mean when there's only this stuff? Yeah. There's only this, it is kind of one thing, but that one thing isn't in one place. So I can't call it one thing as opposed to other things. So then what does self mean anymore? What does other mean anymore? So if there's no self, there's no other. There's no inside, there's no outside. The, all, those, all those dualistic terms in language, you start to see they were all illusions. There's just this. <laughs> there's just this. There's yeah. nothing you can say about it, but you can fully experience it uh, as it. Yeah. <laughs> With no one experiencing it, you just kind of collapse into it, you could say. Anyway, so again, very difficult to talk about this stuff um, accurately, but I will say it turns out to be okay. It turns out to be really, really good news. I don't know why, but I feel that way. Mm -hmm. Like, I know how it could be terrifying. It there, there are times when it can be for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It can be almost disappointing when you realize all this spiritual journey has not been about me. <laughs> I, I thought it was about me the whole time. And you're just like, shit, it's not really about me. It's, it's just, not about me. It's just about what it's about. And it's wow, not about anything. It's man. just this, man. right? Yeah. So again, we're talking about the, the later stage stuff. Um, and then there's this other aspect that often sticks around for a long time. And sometimes it's really intense and sometimes it's more subtle, but it's there and it has to be addressed. And that's the relational self. Mm. It's, the, it's the tendency to um, experience life as some kind of external world. That's really your internal world. It's your mind doing this, but it makes it look like this external world 
where you're always managing everything, mm. trying to get it right for yourself so that you can, you can do okay, or even get it right for others. You might have yourself convinced you're a compassionate person and you're trying to get everything right so you can be more compassionate for the world and all every, this. Every nurse but it, ever, yeah. But the, but the truth... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've, they really are. They, yeah. To, to, but, you, but anyway, the, the point is like, it, there's, there's so much struggle in that that's intrinsic to it. And you don't realize that. You don't really... Mm. It feels so much like what you are mm. to struggle with life that it, it's, you can't imagine not doing it. But you can you can see that it's unnecessary through mm -hmm. inquiry. You can start to recognize that there's no need to hold that relational matrix together all the time. Mm. It, one way of saying it is you, you, you learn to really just trust the moment so fully that I don't have to preconceive what to do, how to react, how to respond, how to give more, take more from this moment. It's just it's just this. And, and it starts to feel really... It feels like equanimity. It, mm. it is equanimity. Is mm. what what this is. It's a it's a another degree of peace. Mm. Um, it, it's enjoy natural enjoyment, but not a big deal. Again, it's it's very simple. So 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 you and told innocent and innocent. You told me something this morning when you walked up and you'd parked in my garage and you said, "Yeah, I was walking through your garage and it used to be like you'd spend time." You'd just be like, oh, I got to get through this garage because there's nothing going on here. I need to get to point B. Mm -hmm. And instead, you said something quite remarkable, which is, oh, oh, so this is what it feels like to be in love with a garage. Yeah, with the basement of the with garage. The yeah. basement of the garage. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that for us through this? Well, I was just walking to the elevator, and um, the thought came of, yeah, in the past, I would have thought of this as, oh, I'm just walking through this place that is unimportant. The garage is usually an unimportant. It's a practicality. And it's just like the thing you have to get through to get to the next thing that's more important, right? Whatever. I see this a lot with people who feel really impatient, like at the grocery checkout, right? You can see there, it's just like, uh, you know, in their, mi in their mind, they're yeah. picturing the dinner they're going to cook when they get home or the glass of wine or whatever. And it's natural. We all do this kind of thing, right? Humans do this. Um, but if you really look at what's happening, we're rejecting that experience right then. We're like, oh, this isn't a real experience. The real one's the one I'm imagining in my mind when I get home. And then somehow when you get home, you can't actually be present there either because your mind is so used to not being present. <laughs> it's already right? somewhere else. Yeah, so um, th this is, is, is a, uh, it was kind of a, a remarkable reflection on how I used to process reality. And as I was walking through the garage, like I just feel love. Like I feel intimacy for the garage itself. <laughs> not, but it's not a garage, that's why. It's everything. It's you, it's me. It's what all this is made out of. It's just, and, and I was like, you know, the feeling of it, the sensation of the foot striking the cement, the, the, the visual experience of that cement in a non-dualistic way. It's, it's in the body. It's out of the body. It's, it's just alive. It's just aliveness mm. garaging. And <laughs> what a wonderful experience. I don't need anything outside of this. I don't need anything more than this. I don't need to get anywhere. There's nowhere to get. There's only this, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Ah. So you, you could say that's a, an example of the um, the mundane mm. coming alive. Becoming alive. Yeah. yeah, or the mundane just demonstrating to you that mm. presence is immediately available all the time and in, in depths that are unfathomable if you're willing to look into it mm. one way or another mm -hmm. and, and willing to let go, willing to examine beliefs, all the things we've been talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ah! <laughs> yeah. And then there's more. There's more. Keep going. There are a couple other things. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll mention one. Where I think we're getting moving forward on time. But 
So one other aspect to this that's important is that when I mention no self, um, again, if you think about that and think something's going to disappear that's here right now that feels like myself, you're not going to be able to imagine what it is that disappears. Mm. It's not like that. It's it's just it's a sudden lightness, and and a holy whoa whoa what is that about you know? And also at the very same time, it's like yeah, it's exactly like this. It couldn't be anything other than this. Mm. And it's a flow. It's a flow state that's just always there, sort of something mm. like that. Mm. Okay. Um, Anyway, that what it is that goes away, what it is that ceases activity, which I, I would call I'm, I'm going to call the self for this way of talking. What is what it is that ceases activity is kind of made up of a few different aspects that are intertwined in a way that feels so intimate that they feel like one thing, but you can actually sort of pick them apart a little bit in these fixations. I've already talked about two of them. A third one that's prominent and probably one of the slipperiest it's one of the most subtle easy to overlook is this um it's this it's this this tendency and operation of the mind to frame reality mm-hmm. okay so um at first it's framing your reality then it's framing whatever reality you perceive when you start to wake up whether it's consciousness or awareness but it's a framing that goes on so one analogy I've made in something I wrote that I'll put in the next book is you could say in one sense, the, the most fundamental movement of, of the thinking mind is to take a picture of reality. Go click. This is how it is. This is how it is. Click. This is how it is. It always wants to know how it is, hmm. right? In the most fundamental sense, because if the mind doesn't know how it is, how this is, how I am, it's done. It has nothing more it can do. So the most fundamental movement of that mind-identified ego, egoic-seeking mind or whatever is to take a picture. I can't even start seeking until I look and see, oh, this is how it is. Mm. And then I can seek and go, and this is how it could be with another thought, right? So this is how it is. Click. This is how it is. It's like, it's like taking pictures. Um, when you inquire into this fixation, this tendency to form... Uh, frames of reality to extrapolate a, a certain kind of reality, a universal reality, an infinite reality, any kind of reality at all, any specific way that things are, um, it can stop happening. And it's a, it's a whole other degree of freedom oh, <laughs> where it's wow. like, there's no definite, definite defining way that reality is. It's too free to be defined at all in any way at all. It's not a certain way. And then it's really weird because it's like, what was making it seem like it needed to be a certain way? Right? This can be kind of like at the same time totally mind-blowing and totally like, duh. How did I ever think things had to be a certain way? Because everything's changing all the time. Of course, everything's always in flux to the point where there's no things. Okay, so... When I read that in your book, it was one of the advanced stages in chapter 10 of like, oh, by the way, there's no way that things are. <laughs> you just go, uh, and yeah. you describing it now, I actually am getting a sense of what mm-hmm. you're saying. Now, again, it's, it's. can I can I run this by you? So let me just see if I understand mm-hmm. this, what you were trying to communicate. And I, I know I won't do it quite justice. The mind takes an integrative, sort of an integrative mind moment of 
what is reality and goes, it's this, it's this way. And kind of shows it to you almost in a delayed fashion, almost in a slightly non-immediate fashion and says reality, oh, here, this is what reality is, this cohesive thing that has this connection. But what you're saying is when that drops away, you realize there's no way that reality is, it just... You can't even can't even can't open put, your mouth to say a word about it. Yeah, it's just language stops. Yeah, so that's not a bad way of saying it. I'm going to adjust it a little bit. Yeah. When you say you're looking at reality and it's saying this is the way it is, you actually put your hands in front. That's still looking from a subject-object uh, confirmation and consciousness. That's collapsed already. So yeah, that's gone. Yeah. And it's actually not out here that's saying this is the way things are. It's the sense back here of, of the most fundamental sense of you. Uh. It's, it's, it's the one looking through those eyes, looking at reality. It's, it's, this is a very, very fundamental movement of mind. It's so easy to, it's, you can't actually look directly at it because you're looking from it. Uh, so it's very subtle and tricky to inquire into this. Hmm. Can you sense that? Yeah. It's, the, it's that which is looking out into the world in the most fundamental, subtle way, into the, into the mind, into the senses. It, it feels like it has to be there until it's not. So... That's another important key to this. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit of like a triad of what creates the sense of self. There's other ways to talk about all this stuff as well. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, why? I, it just shocks me that people wouldn't want this. You know? That's just me. At I, some point, it becomes not wantable. Because who's going to want <laughs> who's it? Who's going to want it? Yeah, it's, it's so paradoxical. <laughs> this is nothing the way things are. There's no one to notice that. And I'm in love with a parking lot. Biatch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, right. like, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Is there any more or is that? There are more subtleties I could talk about, but that's the gist. That's of the, the gist of it. That's the big, and, and there's ways to address each one of those. So when people have their and awakening. It's all basically inquiry. Inquiry, inquiry. Pretty much. Or, this... or just a certain kind of surrender or, mm. you know, some people have a real devotional surrender to this. Explain yeah. that. Uh, I'm, I'm not really that kind of person necessarily, yeah. but just they have a feeling of like, devotion it's almost like mm. a, a, a movement of love mm. for the for the process itself or for i don't know what and, and that devotional sur- it's a very surrendered type of movement mm. and that that carries people through this as well mm. but at some point it's just there's no one to do anything anymore so it gets very tricky to yeah. you can't even really teach anything or point to anything because there's there's nothing to do that anymore so mm. it's it's just a matter of what's happening now mm. and it carries itself forward is one way of saying it or it carries itself deeper into itself wow and your job is to just be really be willing to be really alert and discerning in what you notice and if you notice any way that you're getting in its way be willing to relax that a little bit so your job is to get out of its way at mm. some point but it gets again subtle because it's who's even going to do that? Yeah, yeah who be, are you talking it's, to? It's very tricky. Yeah. yeah, who are you talking to? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. And it's totally possible. This oh. is this is possible for people for sure. I mean, I've seen people do this. I've seen people go through this, and it's happening more and more and more. More, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, dude, dude, this was. I really enjoyed this. I think there's three people in the audience who are going to be like, "Yeah, bro," and then twenty three thousand that are like, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard." Oh. Uh, <laughs> He said, "Parking lot, yeah, <laughs> right. Right. dude." It's, uh, thank you, Angela. So we'll we'll put this out. It's, so for people who want to go deeper on this stuff, awake. It's your turn. That's uh, Doctor Delulo's book. 
Um, we've done a series now. I'm gonna link to it. It's all gonna be kind of tied together, just like the universe, man. It's all dependent origination, whatever that is. And uh, share the video. And we are. There's no we. Just out. There's not even out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.